The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. We have a lot in common, okay, here this morning. Uh, for one is, who thought that Steve took a long time doing announcements? Yeah. And everybody said, but when the Holy Spirit grabs you, even during announcements, like you, you just got to go, man. I just, I just felt like I just re-upped my spiritual walk with the Lord in that. And uh, all kinds of good things were happening there. But um, you know what's cool is that whole police compassion thing that you guys have. That is very, very sweet. And we need to honor and bless those that serve us. And uh, there were a lot of them out on the way here to Rochester this morning. I'm not sure why. And I wasn't wanting to bless them as I was driving on the way here because sometimes I was going a little faster than I was supposed to. You know how that goes? Or is it just me? Uh, You guys do that sometimes too in Rochester? Sometimes we go a little faster than what we're supposed to. We kind of break the law sometimes. But by God's grace, nobody stopped me. Or by God's grace, I actually saw the police ahead of time. So that was really cool, all right? All right, no, I'm just totally joking about that. I wasn't really going that fast, but we have a lot of things in common, though. Uh, we're all Cubs fans here. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Totally. I'm from Chicago originally. Everybody say Portillo's. Yeah. Um, I've come with good news. Portillo's is going to be in Woodbury, Minnesota. Yeah. Come on. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah? We already have Giordano's. And uh, that's good pizza, right? So hopefully you guys will. You guys have anything here yet from Chicago? No. You will. You will. You will. Rochester's a cool place. They'll find you. They will find you eventually. And uh, uh, you will get some Chicago food here. Uh, we also have some more things in common, though. Um, crazy and really strong like or love with your senior pastor. Um, he is an amazing guy. He sincerely loves the Lord. He challenges me to love the Lord more. And uh, you have a wonderful man that is leading this church with a wonderful group of elders. So praise God for that whole group. And what's even better is his wife, Kimberly. Yes. I I call her Kimberly. Uh, I'm not sure why. I don't know if you like that or not. But I like it. I do. I do. It it seems like we're close um, when I do that. So um, Kimberly. Here's another thing we have in common. Um... Anybody else like weirded out this week? So I don't know. I think the Bible has something to say about what's happening this week and what's going to continue to happen in our country. I know you guys are doing these messages about the instructions. What is it like instructions from the church or something like that? Instructions for the church. And so um, I'm going to be talking about uh, how to live in political America. And uh, I, I, th- I don't know, I think that's pretty relevant this week for sure. I don't know if anybody here is freaking out. I don't know, if, maybe if you're happy. If you voted for Donald Trump, just do this with your eyes so I can see. You don't have to say anything so no one knows. Just go like this. And I'll, I'll just look around real quick, okay? Okay, I see a few, a few like, the, like that. Okay, so I was watching the uh, election results and um, it was early, it was early, but Trump was winning. And I was like, wow, I mean, like this is, this is maybe possible that Hillary may not win because that was obviously the assumption that Hillary Clinton was gonna win. And uh, th- th- I'm not gonna be, be telling you this morning who you should have voted for or who I'm glad that was voted into office or wasn't glad that wasn't voted into office or was, but 
Um, I thought it was interesting. And then I went to, uh, I was watching Fox News, but then I went to MSNBC because I knew that if those guys were a little bit frantic or panicking, that maybe something was on all of a sudden. Like it was, maybe it was possible that Hillary wasn't going to win and Trump was going to win. And when I saw those guys on MSNBC freaking out, I was like, I, I thought God's doing something here, right? Now I'm not saying that God's a Trump fan, but as you're going to see in Romans 13, God has a lot to do with government and politics. Okay, so then the other thing that came out this week was we know that there are protests. Have you guys seen that? Okay, there's protests happening this week. We know that everybody's talking about the election and Trump. We know that if you voted for Hillary, that um, it, she didn't come out for the concession speech that night. And people were talking about that. Like, that's a little bit weird. Why would you not honor, you know, your party there? But, but we've also seen conversations happening. You're gonna see a video here in about three seconds. We've also been seeing conversations happening in context that we don't usually see. And so I want you to see this amazing, just like minute and a half speech from TNT, a guy named Ernie Johnson, that is like a commentator for the NBA. You don't see this very often. He's a follower of Jesus Christ, and they were talking about politics before the Bulls were playing the Miami Heat, and the Bulls won, and everyone said, okay, whoever said, brother, thank you, man. <laughs> thank you, brother, ma'am. Um, but check this out really quick, because this might be how you're thinking even this week. When this campaign season started, I, I felt like I'd been dealt a bad hand. Um, I had these couple of choices. And there were trust issues with Hillary Clinton I couldn't get past. And there was this inflammatory rhetoric from Donald Trump, which to me was incomprehensible and indefensible. I couldn't vote for either one. For the first time in going to the polls for 42 years, I hit the write-in button. And I voted for John Kasich. And I left knowing that John Kasich wasn't going to win. But I left with a clear conscience because I hadn't settled. Number two, I'm hopeful. I watched the video today at CNN on what was going on at the White House with Donald Trump, President Obama. I was hopeful and I was encouraged that there will be a difference between the President Trump and the campaigning Trump. And I'm with these guys. We have to give them a chance. But here's the deal. I just hope that he's all in, in, uh, in fixing the wounds in this country and the divides that separate this country. And I want to be part of that, too. And for me to be part of it, I have to look in the mirror and I have to say, how am I going to be a better man? How am I going to be a better neighbor? How am I going to be a better citizen? How am I going to be a better American? How can I be a fountain and not a drain? And number three, I know you're not supposed to talk about politics and religion, but we're already talking about politics. And so I'm going to go the R direction, too. I never know from one election to the next who's going to be in the Oval Office. But I always know who's on the throne. And I'm on this earth because God created me, and that's who I answer to. I'm a Christian. I follow this guy named Jesus. You might have heard of him. And the greatest commandment he gave me was to love others. And Scripture also tells us to pray for our leaders. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for Donald Trump. I'm going to pray for all those people right now who feel like they're on the outside looking in, who are afraid at this point. Pray for them, too. In short, I'm praying for America, and I'm praying that one day we're going to look back and we're going to say, you know what, that Donald Trump presidency, that was all right, but I'm praying. 
Wow. Wow. That's like, that's on TV. We're all like, man, there's nothing good on TV anymore. That was really good. So anybody want to drop the mic? Everyone just do this. Let's just drop the mic together on the count of three. Come on. Why would you not participate in this? Thank you. One, two, three. Bam. I mean, that was, that was amazing. So praise God for Ernie Johnson. That's a brother in Christ right there on TNT, like just giving it up for Jesus. He'll be fired in a week, but so what? <laughs> no, no ho- hopefully he won't. Um, but so I want us to see in the Bible how relevant God's word is today about what we're going through. So we're going to do like a really short Bible study through the first seven verses. And then we're going to go and I have a message for you that I have like, there's like a couple titles today, but um, the, uh, you know, before the election, I was just like, I don't know. God's going to do what he's going to do. And so I gave a message to our church that said, nothing's going to change for us on Tuesday. Nothing's going to change. It doesn't matter if Hillary gets in. It doesn't matter if Donald gets in. It doesn't matter if, um, what's the other dude's name? There's a guy from Utah. Evan McMullen or McMillan, something like that. You know, I mean, a few more years, maybe I'll actually know his name, like if he's doing some stuff. And it just, it didn't matter because of what we're seeing here in Romans 13. And even after the fact now, it it doesn't matter if it was Hillary or Trump. Now we know it's Trump, but there's still some things that no matter who was going to be voted into office that you and I as Christians, we're still going to be committed to. And so let me just show you right away in just like a little Bible study format. And then we're, then we're going to preach. Okay. Look at verse one in Romans 13. Let every person be subject. Now this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. But let every person be subject. That means to willingly put yourself under submission, right, to the governing authorities. Um, and I, I know that could be hard to do, but, but God's calling us to do that. It's just like when God calls a wife to put herself willingly and, and with humility under the leadership of her husband, okay? It's, it's not the man demanding that as if the man were better or as if the man, you know, deserves that because men are pretty screwed up. I am one. I know how screwed up I am. And I I do think that women are like the better gender, it just seems to be. I'm not just saying that to get brownie points, okay? Because I may never see some of you again, so I'm not doing that for brownie points. I just think women are amazing. Anybody want to, like, should the men be shouting out for that right now? You guys missed an incredible opportunity to do something, like, amazing there. And, And so God is telling women directly that you are called to submit to your husband. Obviously, the man has a big responsibility. He has to lead well. I mean, you can't fall asleep at the wheel. You, you, you can't lord it over your wife. But it's the same thing kind of here for the citizens of this country, that we are to willingly, and because God said so, subject ourselves, submit ourselves to the governing authorities. So then it says, well, here's why. Because there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. In America, in Iran, in... Um, England, whoever is in authority has actually been instituted by God. It is the sovereignty of God that puts people into office. Now that's confusing to me because I'm not sure why there are some people in office or in dictatorships all over the world, but God has a purpose in all of that. And we can rest in that. Then it says in verse two, therefore, whoever resists 
So, okay, so you're supposed to submit, and then you're not supposed to resist the authorities. Resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, we know that when, here's just a little short little message here. We know that when the government is calling us to do something that we see in the Bible that we're not supposed to do, okay? Like Peter and John in Acts, they just said, um, we are going to follow the Lord in this. And so they decided not to follow authorities when they were healing and preaching the word of God. So we know that there are some departures that we're gonna make as Christians in the United States of America when we feel like they are completely going against what God is calling us to be as Christians. Okay, I get that, I get that. But in general, we are not supposed to resist what God has appointed. So then in verse three, it says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, they're not supposed to be, but to bad. So God is putting government in place for a reason, okay? Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? There's supposed to be some respect to those who are in authority. I mean, just like Ernie was saying, he's going to pray for President Trump. And we are called to have respect and pray and honor. So then it says, then do what is good and you will re receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain. So government is put in place to reward those who do good and punish those who do bad. That's supposed to be the plan. That is God's great plan for the world. That government has a purpose because we're not a theocracy. The United States is not a theocracy. We are not directly led by God himself like Israel was back in the day. That was God's directly, it was a theocracy. We are a democracy led by a human being, a president. And they are supposed to do what is right. They don't always do that though, from what I've been saying. And that is frustrating, isn't it? True or false, is that frustrating? Okay. For he is God's servant for your good. So government is supposed to be for our good, even though it's frustrating and confusing. It's supposed to be God's grace to the people all over the world. Then it says, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. I mean, earlier in Romans, we see, look at verse uh, chapter 12 really quick. With, with verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Who's going to repay? God will repay. I will repay, says the Lord. So to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, part of God's wrath is to come through government. So if someone violates um, someone in your family and let's say they violate a child, if I am a dad, and I am, I have four children, my first inclination might be, um, sweetheart, can you give me the key to the gun safe? I'm, can I be real or no? Yeah. Give me the key to the gun safe and I'm going to track him down. And if I spend the rest of my life in prison, I will. Because I am so right now ticked off of the violation of my child. And then hopefully the Holy Spirit enters into my heart and soul and mind and everything. And I step off the angry ledge and begin to go, God, what do you want for this? What do you want? 
How am I supposed to respond in this situation? And we are to pursue justice, and that's why God has government in place, so that justice would be pursued and justice would be meted out, so that the wrath of God, you know, and sometimes that happens through bars, sometimes that happens through the death sentence, freedom's taken away, right? But God is putting government in place so that we don't have to take everything into our own hands because we don't need the wild, wild west on our hands. But we do need a a strong and a good government with good people leading, okay? Therefore, it says in verse five, therefore one must be in subjection, okay? Not only to God's, um, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So even if government is not doing its job, we're still called as Christians because of our walk with Christ and our conscience, because God sees all. And he will reward your good behavior, even if Obama or Trump don't reward you or whoever is leading Rochester politically, you will be rewarded. Or if your boss doesn't reward you at IBM or at Mayo, there a place called Mayo here. If your boss hasn't given you a raise in five years, you still do what you're called to do because God sees everything. So you you do it for the conscience because God really is your boss. You know what I mean? He's the best boss, I think. I think he is, he is. This just in, he is. (laughs) Verse six, for because of this, you also, everyone go, oh, yeah. Because of this, you also pay taxes though so that we could support what God has put in place. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. So everyone pay their taxes. It comes so fast. April 15th comes so fast. It's going to come again, guys. The year's almost over. But you have to pay your taxes. Do it. Do it. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. If you just bought a big old fat TV, and you're paying $35 a month to Best Buy, first of all, bad plan, but you owe revenue every month, and so pay it, write the check, or do ACH, or however it works. Respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed, even the government, even our leaders. So it doesn't matter who's in office. God's like, here's the plan. It doesn't matter if it's a Democrat, Republican, or an independent. You're a Christian. You're truly actually a citizen of a whole nother land anyways. I've been to Mexico. I've been to Canada. I've been to Vienna, Austria. I've been to Norway. None of those places, I was not a citizen of any of those places. But then I would fly back on a plane to America where I'm a citizen, and that's where my home was. That's where I had milk in the fridge. I had a car in the garage. I had a street, I had an address. I had bills in the mail. Because I'm a citizen here. But God's like, that's a shadow. That's a shadow of like your citizenship in heaven. Where, where that's truly where your house is. And I bet it's better than the one you got now. In my father's house are many mansions. If we're not, so I would have told you, if I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Because where I am, there you will be also. I bet it's pretty sweet. So, so God's like, you're a citizen there. 
So here's what I'm going to say about all this stuff while you're temporarily here on earth with these governments, you know. Then now, now we get to the, to the message part. And no matter what has happened, and it's already in place, three things. Number one is we are still going to love no matter what. Okay, so check this out. Verse eight. So owe no one anything. Okay, now first of all, that's, that's not a command that we cannot have like a house loan or a car loan or something like that. Be responsible, all right? Don't bite off more than you can chew. But this is not a scripture saying you can't have debt, okay? We, we know all the junk that comes with debt, but this is not a scripture to make all, everyone feel guilty that they have a home loan, okay? That, don't worry about that. You're fine. As, as long as there's good wisdom in that, okay? Just don't want to throw somebody off here this morning and, and use scripture wrong. Owe no one anything. That just means that if you are to pay somebody something like taxes or revenue or whatever it may be, then just make sure you do it. Don't forget or don't neglect it. But, but then it says, except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So when you're paying your taxes, do it in love. When you owe some best buy revenue, do it in love. When you give someone respect, do it in love. When you owe someone honor, do it in what? In love, for sure, for sure. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Because if you just arrive today from some other planet, and the ushers gave you a Bible. Someone hold up the Bible that they just gave you. you anybody got a, one of those Bibles, the paper? Bam, okay. And you just open it up for the first time today, which is very possible. There could be someone here for the first, how awesome would that be? If somebody was here for the first, we don't know who you are. But if you opened up your Bible for the first time, you didn't open up some kind of ordinary book. This wasn't written by Ray Bradbury. God wrote this, and this thing will change your life, right? Yeah. And so, but if you just, if you just like, oh my goodness, this thing has a lot of words, really thin paper, um, some maps, nothing I recognize, um, you know, you, you might think this whole thing is about rules. And how am I going to get to know every rule so that I could be a good citizen here for Jesus? Anyone ever think that? I got to know everything so I could be everything I'm supposed to be. And Paul's like, no, you don't. You don't have to know one single thing. You don't have to know that you're not supposed to kill somebody. You don't have to know that. You don't have to know that you're not supposed to covet what your neighbor, you don't even have to know that. You don't have to know that you're not supposed to take your neighbor's wife and sleep with her. Shouldn't do that. Paul's saying, if you didn't know any of that stuff, but you loved, if you love and your heart and motives are filled with love, true, godly love, then you will not hurt your neighbor. 
You will not hurt your spouse. You will not hurt your children. You will not hurt someone in church or at work or on your block. So if you have a neighbor that's a Democrat and they have all their political signs up, still even, because they're just so not happy, we will still love them. If you have a Republican neighbor and they're just like doing the happy dance because Trump got in and you cannot stand it, we will still love them. If you have, you ever hear of Michael Jr., the comedian? If you have an oversaved neighbor that wrote in Jesus and voted for Jesus, <laughs> they're the weird neighbors. You ask them, this is what Michael Jr. says, you ask them, are you thirsty? They said, I'm thirsty for Jesus. <laughs> Everything is about like Bible stuff. You're like, just, do you want a Coke or not? <laughs> and it's, it's like we are still going to love them. Because it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and that is implying that you know, there's that Whitney Houston song, The Greatest Love of All is to Love Your. Anybody here from the 80s? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like that just fall flat. I'm just, Ed, I, I mean, I'm not to say anything, but I, you look like you're at least from the 80s. <laughs> Don't you know that Whitney Houston song? Elvis is where I quit. Okay. Okay, brother. All right, then you went on to like the Garmo and Key and Amy Grant and stuff. So. The, she sings about the greatest love of all is, is to love yourself. It's kind of weird. But what Paul, though, actually is implying here is that you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So for sure, we are called to accept the love that God has for us and not hate ourselves. We are called to love ourselves with the love that God has for us. Because if you do, I mean, he's saying, I mean, if you don't love yourself, how could you love your neighbor than as yourself? You can't. So I know all of us have different things we battle with and insecurity and issues and baggage and problems and I hate myself and if people only knew and God's like, man, let's move past that. I got like so many more chapters for your life than the I hate myself chapters that we need to get on the right page. You know, and some of that actually is pride and just not letting go. You know, it's weird. It's a weird thing. I don't know if there's any counselors in the house, but they would know what I'm talking about. So love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. So it doesn't matter who's in office. We're, we're still going to love as citizens of heaven here to reach people here on earth. So we're not going to harm people. We're not going to intentionally at least try to harm people. But I just want to, I want to leave you with this from the first point is, do you have a game plan for your neighbors? Do you know their names? Do you know their names? Or do you just want to beat them? Because their lawn is so immaculate. And how can we even compete with retired people? Right? They got like Kemlaw on there every single Monday. And it looks like grass that's from heaven. 
But neighbors are not to be competed with or they are to be prayed for. Are you praying for them? Do you have a plan? Are you doing stuff for them? When's the last time you brought your neighbor a pie? Or whatever food or dessert is in nowadays? When, when have you brought them something? I'm, just so you know, like I'm preaching to myself too when I'm saying, I'm like, I need to have a better plan for my neighbors. And then when was the last time you shared the gospel with them or anybody? When was the last time like your throat got a little bit constricted and you got a little sweaty and you're sweating here and you, you started to sweat there because you were about ready not to say God to somebody. God, God like means all kinds of stuff. God's really not like, that's not a powerful name. And when we go back to the original names, you start getting into some power. But you say Jesus. When was the last time you told somebody that you love Jesus and not just God, which could be anything in our culture? When was the last time you sweat being face-to-face with somebody because you're about ready to go? I, I gotta tell you somebody that I love and follow. I mean, what Ernie Johnson did, man, that's crazy. I love that. So we're going to love, no matter what, who's in office. Then secondly, check this out. Because we, we, we might be saying, because we say this a lot like, lately, man, I, I, it's what kind of era are we living in, you know? And like, is this the worst time ever? Uh, is, this, is this, are we on the cusp of something great? Are we on the cusp of falling off the cliff? Is America falling apart? Are we going to become like Europe spiritually and everyone's, you know, secularism just rises to the top here in America? What's the time? Paul's like, besides this, you know the time. Why are you, why are you on the internet trying to figure out what era we're living in? He says, you know the time. The hour has come for you to awaken. Don't sleep anymore. The hours come for you to be awake. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Every single day we get closer to seeing Jesus. Every single day we get closer to realizing complete and full health physically and emotionally and spiritually. No more tears. It was the last time you cried. I bet there's some people here that cried in the last 24 hours. And not because you were happy, because you won the Price is Right car. But probably because something sad happened, true or false. When we're in heaven, he will wipe away every single tear. Anybody like can't wait to get to heaven? And, and so he's saying salvation is even nearer to us now than when we first believed. I believed when I was seven, like 23 years ago. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Is that obvious? I'm not 30? People are mean in Rochester. <laughs> the night is far gone. The day is at hand. You know what that means? Like 
Evil and darkness is far gone. No, I see it everywhere. I see it everywhere. I know. I know. But the time that we're living in is a time where Christ has already come. And he is coming again. So the day now is what you and I live in. And we're to be awake and to celebrate and to live as if the light is reigning because it is. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That is so weird because if I was going into battle physically with somebody, I would not like have a light bulb just shining on me. I would think that a bullet could go through a ray of light. But this isn't an ordinary light, nor an ordinary battle. I mean, if we could see all the spiritual stuff happening around us, like if we could see it, you would be in this fetal position sucking your thumb on the ground, under a table, near the furnace, in your basement, freaking out. But what do we have to fear? I've read the end of the book. God wins. And we are not living in actually, what times are we living in? This is the dawn, is what Paul is saying. It's the dawn of a new day, because Christ has come, and he's coming again. So I don't know if you've ever gone to like on vacation, and you see the sun come up, because you're sitting on a deck, and maybe right there on a lake, that a new day is beginning, and the sun is coming up. And what thoughts are going through your brain? It's beautiful. There's hope. There's so much that's going to happen today. It's just beginning. And look at this. The sun is beautiful. The water is still. The trees are hardly moving. The walleye maybe are biting. It's the beginning of a new era. That's what Paul is saying. So if we're like, man, I'm so discouraged, man. I'm so discouraged. Everything seems like it's falling apart. It's, it's really not. It's really not. We have so much that we're looking forward to. So we are to celebrate. Jesus came and he's going to return. And then, okay, so if you're, if you're following, and if you're not, I don't blame you. We're still going to love no matter what. We're still going to celebrate because the dawn of a new day is here. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let's cast off, which leads us to the last point. We're still going, no matter what, no matter who's in office, we're still going to obey. So look at 13 again. Let us properly, as in the daytime, um, you know, because something happened in uh, Maple Grove. This is where our church is. It's in Maple Grove. Something happened in Maple Grove this week. And do you guys read about that at one of the schools? I don't know if it was the high school um, or, or actually where we meet. I think it was the high school. But some student went in the bathroom and wrote something really stupid, you know, thinking that, White people are like the best thing since, you know, whatever. And other people should, you know, return to their own countries. The school and the principal is a Christian. He's amazing. So he 
rallied everyone and greeted people as they were coming to school and you are loved and we love you and you know, just all that stuff, just amazing. But I don't know who that student was, but you know when you do something wrong that you don't do it in the daytime with people watching you. You do it undercover. So he did it in the privacy, whatever. I don't know when he did it. They were in the stall or something or she. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Remember, the day is at hand. It's a dawning of a new day. And so there really isn't darkness. God sees everything. And we are called to be citizens that are obeying him because he is going to win at the end. So, and then look at, just look at how intense this gets. Look how intense our sin can get. Not in orgies. You know, how many times do you say that word in church? You know, because that's just complete and utter. I have no regard for the sanctity of sex. Not, not, not only am I going to just outside of marriage with one person, but outside of marriage with multiple people at the same time. Massive perversion of the beauty of sex. Not in orgies or drunkenness. It seems like everybody is drinking nowadays. It's like everybody drinks. It's like, it used to kind of be like, you know, it's, it's kind of weird if you're a Christian to drink. It's, and so we're like, we're doing a really good job with the, hey, I, I'm free, man. I'm free in Christ. I can drink some, you know, Kahlua and cream if I want. First of all, you got to be careful with your freedom. You are free to take a drink if, you know, Steve drinks all the time. <laughs> Just in his office, don't worry about it. Not at, <laughs> not at home. It's not, never at home. It's just always. And, but if you never drink, you, you, there's, there's like, there's zero chance you could get drunk. Do you see what I'm saying? Because you have to ask yourself, why do I drink? Why, why do I drink? Because I have freedom. Okay, so what? We're past that, duh. But why do you drink? Takes the edge off? Uh, I thought Jesus was kind of supposed to take the edge off. Well, you know, I just have two, and I, I kind of like to get my buzz on. So I try to be all Baptist here. Like, we can't dance, we can't play cards and stuff like that, but... Like, God's putting orgies, and then he goes, drunkenness next. Okay? Not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and... What? Orgies to, like, which seems really intense, to quarreling. Seems a little less intense, but... But then in jealousy, you're just like, that's weird, man, because that's something I could just have in the privacy of my own heart that nobody can see. It's, you know, it's not, I'm not hurting anybody with the orgy thing. I'm not getting drunk and being all dumb and stuff. I'm not quarreling with somebody. No. 
all of our fin, fin, all of our sin affects everybody. There's never anything that you do where you're just like, that's just me here. It affects everybody. But here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to end with. Is that if he's calling us to love, and he is, which means then we are then therefore not called to harm a neighbor, and your neighbor is on your block, your neighbor is right here sitting next to you, your neighbor is someone you see in the mall, whatever, right? And, and we're called to love, then once we put stuff in our hearts, perversion, orgies, right? Um, jealousy, quarreling. As we let that seep in, what then are we pushing out? You guys can respond. Love. Jealousy. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with jealousy. You fill your heart with jealousy. Now, if, so if I'm jealous for this couple right here because they have a vacation home, you know, in Montana. And I don't see them as wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ who love this church and are praying and are probably sacrificing in ways I don't know. I just see them as, I'm just so jealous that they have that opportunity. Eventually and over time, the way you think of these people is not going to be good. So the more we put in here that's not love, the more we're gonna respond in an unloving way. And it gets really ugly. And then we don't do what God is calling us to do as citizens from heaven, right, of heaven, but still living here on earth. So, no matter what or who is in office, it does not change our mission as believers. We are called to love and to reach the lost and to make sure that we are growing in Christ. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we just, you know, just like that song that we were singing, we trust you. We trust you, Lord. We will see the enemy run. We will see the victory come. This is the dawning of a new day where victory is here. Victory is at hand. And you are calling us to be lovers of Jesus and lovers of people, no matter who in the world is in office. But we do pray for President Obama in these last few months. Pray that the transition will go well, and we pray that as President-elect Trump comes into office January 20th, that you would bless his leadership, that you would change him, and that he would love the values of heaven as he leads America with Congress. Lord, we love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.